From Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health, one tip and story at a time. My guest today is Shannon Curry, certified hypno-breathwork facilitator and cancer survivor, passionate about getting people out of their heads and into their bodies through the power of breath. She hosts virtual and in-person breathwork events through the San Diego area, as well as one-to-one coaching and corporate services, and believes there is no healing without vulnerability and community. Uh, With that, Shannon, welcome. Thank you, Ethan. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Um, So some of you may already know Shannon uh, from her work with Maddie, Mm -hmm. but Maddie connected us, and it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like, if Maddie connects you to somebody, you just know they're (laughs) amazing. We love a warm referral, a warm referral. Love that. Love it. Um, How are you doing? I am, you know, I feel like it's so easy to just always be like, I'm good. And like, listen, grand scheme of my life, things are great, but I'm in a, I'm in an okay season. I'm in a challenging season today. I'm doing well, but navigating a lot. And that's, that's life. That's part of it. Yeah. Um, Part of the journey. I have found that over the last few months. Mm Mm-hmm way more people than maybe ever before in my life have been in a slump, feeling off, feeling in a funk, feeling depressed, feeling all of those things, like more mm-hmm. than ever, including myself, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are quick to be like, oh, it was the winter. So that just kind of happens. And the weather right. was Right. Abnormally bad over the last, at least in California. Yeah. But I I also feel like there's like a societal yes. shift happening in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been something I've been trying to figure out and fascinated by. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so real. It's so collective. And the weather part is so interesting, too. So I moved to San Diego this past June. So it's been... Um, A little bit under a year. And I was on the East Coast for, you know, the first 30 years of my life. Where on the East Coast? I'm from Ocean City, New Jersey. Um, And then I spent, yeah, and then I spent five years in New York City. That's cool. I used to live in New York. My wife is from South Jersey. Oh, we're in South Jersey. Uh, Cherry Hill. Yeah, totally. Close, close. So I get the East East Coast life. So you just moved to San Diego in June, almost a year. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's been so interesting. And, you know, a big reason why I moved was because I needed a change of pace coming from New York City. Um, I was like, this is not it anymore. And we can kind of go into more of that if we'd like. But I knew that I was coming out here really as a way to, like, have more time and space to, like, process and live my life. And it's been so interesting from the weather standpoint, because I got out here and in the East Coast, you have like five to six months out of the year to just point to the sky and be like, that's why I'm not well. Like all winter, everyone, you know, seasonal depression is real. Yes. And then there's also just the general vibe of like, oh, it's winter. You know, it's hard. And then you come out here and I was like, okay, so if. I don't feel well and the sun is shining. The call is coming from inside the house. It is definitely something where it brings you more face to face with like yourself, I think. And it's been interesting to your point of like this past 
over the winter, I'm like, I can't also afford seasonal depression. That's why it came here is because I can only do so much. Right. Yeah. It's been, I definitely think it's been this collective experience this year. I mean, I think like I, for me, it's been since January and just transparently, I was laid off from my job at the end of January and Mm. I've had a very, my corporate job, I should say, I've had a very, um, you know, eventful last four years of my life. So I was like, all right, 2023, this is going to be the year that we just kind of ground and settle. And then immediately that happened. So it's just kind of continuing to navigate a lot of that. But I think everyone has had somewhat of an eventful last three years. And so I, with COVID, with, you know, transitioning out of COVID, some people not transitioning out of COVID. And so I think it's like this constant effort of people trying to go back to normal quote unquote and like what even is that (laughs) exactly and I think a couple things you just said are so spot on I mean one is around the weather it is very easy to be like oh it's because it's cold out or it's Mm -hmm. gray and and it's like of course to an extent that's there but Mm -hmm. there must be something much more than just that for people going on totally acknowledging that's important you know yeah and yeah I think the other thing that you said, which is spot on too, is kind of this this shift. And I feel like over the last few years with COVID, I was just talking to somebody about this. Mm-hmm. Everybody went through some sort of personal transition or adjustment or transformation or yes. with partner or something happened mm-hmm. that process. And now we're kind of in this weird spot where a lot of the... Um, systems or institutions are kind of like all right let's just kind of like go back now and yep for the first time are like wait I don't really want to go back but I don't feel like I have another option so it's like yeah. collective stuck feeling right right yeah I mean I think for COVID you know life and society in the world is kind of like a runaway train in a lot of ways where all of a sudden you're running full speed ahead and then COVID brought it to a halt And it wasn't meant to exist in a way that was slow, where you can actually see how things are operating. And it gave people time and space to look around at themselves, look around at the world, look around at society. And now that, yeah, now that we're back in some sort of way, I mean, that was a lot of, you know, I worked in a corporate environment. I was a manager of a recruiting team. And that was a lot of the passion and fulfillment I got out of being in that world and being in that role was like, I was like, okay, I'm softening this. I'm going to be the one that's calling out that like, hi, people are human. Like we took off the veil that we have work and we have life when during COVID we're, you know, zooming and we have children climbing all over each other. Like we can't just pretend we're robots anymore. Right. And so I think like that is where I get very passionate from a corporate standpoint is like helping corporations produce and be productive and do business while also validating that like, these are humans doing this business. And like, we can't just pretend that we all didn't just go through something like life yeah. and work is different. A hundred percent. Wow. I love it. What has it been like, you know, on a community level and a lifestyle level shifting from the East coast to San Diego, because um, not just living on the East coast, I've been to San Diego. I've lived in California mm-hmm. for several years from the East coast and it is a drastically different uh, world. Yeah. yeah. So what has that been like? Like as somebody who's really obviously involved and takes their own kind of health, wellness, all of it seriously and are passionate about it, 
Um, what's it been like community wise, the shift? Amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I was in New York City for five years and I went to college in New Jersey. And so like one of the beauties of going to college in New Jersey is that a lot of my friends from college, my community from college was also in New York. So right. my community in New York City is like, you know, some of my closest friends from college that I love. And then it was also my coworkers and my corporate environment. And so much of what we connected on was work mm-hmm. and how stressed we were about work and then drinking and how much, how we relieve that stress from work. And it was great for what it was in that season of my life. But after I, you know, got back to New York after going through cancer treatment and being in remission and realizing that like, oh, my health matters. Uh, This is important. I realized how actually unhealthy it was Mm -hmm. um, just as a lifestyle and to be honest, it was just challenging for me to completely change my health and my lifestyle within that community that was foundationally built on work and productivity and stress and drinking. And there's so much love there and I have so much gratitude and compassion. And I still consider myself part of that community, but I just needed to expand outside of it. Um, And San Diego, I don't know what anybody does. I meet people and I'm like, what do you do? Like, it doesn't matter. Nobody's talking about what we do for work. You know, we're talking about what we did over the weekend, what we did outside, like people here. And I've heard like comedians joke about it where they're like, people in San Diego are dumb. And I'm like, or they're happy and they just don't care to come across as smart and they don't actually care about stuff that everybody else cares about because they're just focused on living life. Like, authentically and taking care of themselves and really just like not building their lives around their jobs and really focusing on what life is about, which is, I think, living. And it's been amazing. It's so wonderful. I'm so passionate about everything you just said. It's like <laughs> it's it. Well, I think what's what's fascinating is people will genuinely and again this is like you know without judgment and all this yeah is conditioning and societal and all totally. this stuff where it's like but I just I remember getting to this place where you're like well we, we can't just like work ourselves to death and mm-hmm. then die and our life ends and that's all it is is just like trying right. to get promoted like yeah what you're doing like you know right. what I mean? so yeah but again, it's one of those things where if you're so in it and embedded and you've been raised mm-hmm. to believe that your worth comes from a job title or promotion mm-hmm. or salary, then you're going to keep chasing those things. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's I mean, uh, that's so core to my experience. And, you know, I so I think when COVID hit, a lot of people really took that time to like like I said, look around at their lives, really kind of go inward a little bit, or at least like recognize like, okay, that, you know, I, once things go back to normal, quote unquote, I hate that word, what's normal. Um, But once we're out of this, whatever it is, I'm going to change this. And when COVID hit for me, I went down and spent time with my family in Florida. And I felt like a glorified high schooler, like being this adult that lives with their parents. So I threw myself into my career even deeper. Cause I was like, this makes me feel adult. This gives me control. And that was like throughout 2020. And then I was diagnosed with cancer at the end of 2020. And I finally recognized like, 
oh my gosh, like I can't like this, this can't be it. So when I was diagnosed, there was, you know, it's a whole story that I won't go into in a ton of detail, but essentially after I found out I was locked in a room by myself for four hours, um, on anesthesia, on painkillers, because for whatever reason, they thought that I still had, they might, that I could still have tuberculosis. So I had to be quarantined. So I was in this room by myself in like biopsy recovery. And that was like the most impactful four hours of my life because it's like a near death experience. I'm having this like spiritual awakening, deep clarity on the fact that you know, my career didn't come up. It's not like I was sitting there thinking about, oh my gosh, I need this promotion. I need this. It didn't come up at all. What came up was the recognition that I'm not living my life in the way that I know that I can from a value standpoint, from an authenticity standpoint, not, I'm not working hard enough. I came out of anesthesia and was talking to the doctors about like logistics of my job. I worked in recruiting and I was like talking to them like they were hiring managers. That's, bizarre. Like the fact that I was out on drugs so much, just found out I had cancer. And my initial thought was to be worried about my job. And like, the more I came down from it and the more time that I had, and I'm so grateful for what it was because, you know, I closed my computer that day and I didn't look back for six months. Mm -hmm. And that was when I had the time and the space to realize that I'm a whole ass human outside of my career. And I was promoted right as I was diagnosed, like the timing, I don't think is coincidental, but I didn't realize how deeply burnt out I was because everyone around me was burnt out. That is what New York life is. That is what the culture was of my job. And I just thought that's what life is. You work and you stress about your job. And then when I was going through treatment, my mental health was the best it had been in years. And so much of that was because I didn't have the expectations I was putting on myself that society was putting on me. And I realized how much mental energy I was spending on my job. And once I no longer had that, I could put it into myself and I got into meditation and I actually like took the time to be like, okay, clearly I need to heal, not just my body, but I was intentional about like, you know, really focusing on my mind, my emotional health, my spiritual health. And it actually allowed me to like have this clarity. But to your point, it Mm. took cancer for me to have this time and this space. I think people have these like hits and insights of things that aren't working for them, but it's unless you step away from it in some way, shape and form, it's hard to change. I mean, our brains think what 80,000 thoughts a day and just by nature of how they operate, 90% of them are the same from day to day. So it really takes energy and effort to do that. And when I got out of treatment and found out I was in remission, I discovered breath work shortly after. And during treatment, I definitely laid like a healing foundation and then breath work, like took it to the next level because it's very easy to sit on a couch, look at the world around you and say, when I go back to my life, this is how I'm going to live it. But then when you get back to it and actually need to take those steps, like that was the challenging part. And then that's where breath work came in and allowed me to actually have that clarity and that insight and stay connected with that, you know, experience that I had within those four hours in the room. It's like, okay, that is your true self. That is your soul. This is how you stay connected to it. And breath work has been really what's helped me over the past, you know, two years at this point to be like, okay, you know, you, how you want to live. This is how you do it. Um, But yeah, all that to say, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I, I want to go back because there are a few things you touched on that I literally got chills because I um, 
have questions, thoughts, and yeah. relate, relate to. But um, to go back to it, when you talk about those four hours, yeah, after, can you give a give more context and like the timeline of events around mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. diagnosis, like yeah, what, what that experience was like? I mean, I have a totally sense of what life was like for you before, busy, right? East Coast, yeah, hustle promotion, yeah. Can you zoom in on yeah on that moment or that kind of yeah that that event? chapter if you will um yeah. yeah so I I'm like where do I start um I so I it was the summer of 2020 um like I said I'd gone down to Florida spent some time there and then over the summer I got back into New York and mm-hmm. I did have that clarity of like okay now that I'm back there are things that I do want to do a little bit differently but I was having a hard time doing that. Um, just because again, my routine in New York was to go out and drink and do all of these things. And yeah. also like drinking's fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, depends on the day, but I'm mostly not anti-drinking. Um, but for the most part, the way that I was doing, it was not healthy. Um, and I remember even saying, you know, within the season of my life at one point to my therapist, I'm like, I don't really worry about my physical health. I just focus on my mental health. And she had a great poker face because that's truly not how it works. But she just was like, right. okay. Um, didn't want to like hit me with that truth because yeah. I probably couldn't have handled it at that point. But right. I had started over that summer to, um, I wasn't feeling well, essentially. Like I was deeply yeah. fatigued. I had some chest pain. Um, and, you know, it was also like prime COVID time too. So like I went on this cycle where I would f- drink a lot on the weekend. I would feel like shit on Sunday and I'd be like, well, yeah, you're hungover. Um, Monday, I would still not feel well. And I'd be like, okay, I guess this is aging. You have a two day hangover. Right. And then by Tuesday, something was still off. And then Wednesday it was still off. And so I would go get a COVID test and then it would come back clear by Saturday. And then I would repeat that for a couple of weeks. And then finally I was like, okay, something's wrong. Like it might not be COVID, but something's up. Mm-hmm. Um, I got diagnosed with pneumonia. So they said it's pneumonia. It's also like hilarious, but not hilarious that at that time I said to all my friends and family, I was like, this is a life-threatening illness. Please respect me for this disease that I'm dealing with. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm a pneumonia survivor, a life-threatening disease. Um, LOL on that one. Right. So that was for about a couple months. And then finally, at the end of September, I had such excruciating chest pain. Like my mom had come up from New Jersey. I had such excruciating chest pain. At this point, they recognized it wasn't pneumonia because my chest x-ray had not changed. Like you, if they give, if you get a pneumonia diagnosis, usually that's through a chest x-ray. And then six weeks later, they'll do another one. And ideal state as it clears up, mine looked exactly the same. So as I'm waiting for the CT scan that, of course, insurance denied, essentially what happened was my sternum broke. So that's when I finally went to the hospital. And so that was on a Monday. And that Monday, and like as soon as I got to the hospital, I was like hopped up on painkillers. So Monday to Wednesday, Wednesday was when that like kind of biopsy was. But like within the season of my life, I was very you know, I finally recognized it. Like, all right, my, like, I finally listened to my body, mm. um, throughout my entire life. And I think a lot of women experience this, like my relationship with my body was based off of how it looked and wasn't happy with it. And so I pretty much disassociated from it in so many ways where 
I would eat well here and there, but again, then I'm going out and like drinking on the weekends, which doesn't actually feel good in your body. But then I'm rationalizing that like, this is fun. This is how I connect with people. This is okay. And so like, I just was so disconnected from my body. And the moment that I was in the hospital that Monday and they said, so this is worse than we thought. Um, We're going to need to admit you. We think it's an infection, but we're honestly not sure. Hmm. I had this just like deep presence in my body. I think it was where like I finally connected and was like, I hear you. Like something's going on. Like what's up here? Hmm. And through that next, you know, and again, it's like the couple days was really that intense, if you will, like few days of the diagnosis and really leading up to those four hours in that room of being like, okay, I'm going to beat this. And then I'm going to live my life the way that I know that I could have been had I been listening to my body all this time. Wow. That's so intense. And it's, it's gotta be a moment like you're talking about where, you know, you hear stories or you hear things or you see things in movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you're, in that position and you know whether it is even a diagnosis like you're talking about or some other health yeah totally air condition whatever that is you have this point where you're kind of like oh all that stuff that i've been kind of like yeah like people say that shit is actually important and it's right just like some right. life that other people have to deal with a hundred percent a hundred percent and i think so much of my life was based around fun and it was based around, you know, my measurement of success was how much fun I was having and how I was doing in my career. And I was doing well in those things. And those are also things that society lauds as, you know, appropriate measures of success and my, you know, like conditioning in so many ways. Like there were so many things that were good that I was like, oh, this health stuff, I'm fine. I don't need to worry about that. Meanwhile, I'm going into doctor's offices and telling them that I drink significantly less than I do. And they're like, wow, you are a beacon of health. And I'm like, thank you so much. No, I'm not. I'm actually not. (laughs) And don't get me wrong. I was also focusing on my mental health too. I went to therapy every week and not for lack of trying. I, I mean, I had really bad anxiety. I was constantly focused on work, but it's because I was in this constant, I mean, I was in constant fight or flight. I was in survival mode all of the time and I would go into therapy on, you know, Tuesday nights and really like try and focus. But again, getting pulled back into that, like life in the day to day, not really being able to implement anything or actually make changes or actually connect with my body. It was just like kind of running up against walls. Yeah, I, I remember I forget where I read this. I need to think about it. But they were talking about how a lot of people, even in the midst of those really intense, busy lives, work, all everything you're talking about, mm-hmm. they might have something like you're describing with therapy, where it's sort of this oasis in the middle of the week, where you're like, for this yeah. hour, I feel calm and great, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm healing, and I'm doing all this stuff. And it's almost like, well, there's this little oasis, and then you jump back in, and right. it's sort of like the adjustment, which is a much slower and kind of destabilizing process yeah becomes more of like a wave it's just this ongoing thing throughout the week it's not that hour it's just kind mm-hmm. of all there yes. and you're kind of riding that wave 
yes. wherever it takes you and being open to that. I love that. It's a totally different experience, right? Yeah. And, and what's really interesting about it too is um when you know in the sort of former like you're talking about mm-hmm. like I think most people are living and relating yeah. to and I certainly was um it's it's really easy to just not notice it because nobody else is yes uh, like everybody's doing the same thing and so you cannot notice it when everybody else is breathing the same air all around you. Mm-hmm. And then when yeah. you come out of it, you can now look at it from a different perspective and be like, holy shit, I yeah. never want to do that again. Yeah. I mean, society normalizes and celebrates burnout and suffering to an extent and disassociation and just hardening to life. You know, like I remember at one point sitting uh, in therapy when I was in treatment and saying to my therapist, like, I'm so worried about becoming depressed after this. And I'm so worried about, you know, just like depression catching up with me. And my worry was that I was going to, that I wouldn't be able to perform, that I wouldn't be able to produce, that I wouldn't be able to go to work. And Mm. she very gently pointed out, she's like, you were already depressed. Like you were sleeping, you were trying to go to the gym every morning, but you were snoozing through your alarm and taking a cab to work four days a week. Like you were already depressed. You couldn't do the things you wanted to do. So like, you don't need to not say you don't need to worry about that. I'm sure she didn't say that, but she pretty much was like, that's not depression. Like, and I think we focus and society focuses so much on the external and oh, well, this person's struggling with their mental health because they can't do X, Y, Z. Whereas there are so many people that are struggling with their mental health and they are absolutely thriving for all intents and purposes. And because no one is like actually seeing them or I think so much of vulnerability is being vulnerable with yourself, they're not seeing themselves and allowing themselves to be like, wow, I have all of this stuff around me, but I still feel like something's missing and I'm still deeply unfulfilled and or suffering, but it's, I mean, I get it. It's hard. We don't want to sit and think that, especially when we're putting so much work into our lives. We don't want to sit and recognize that this work isn't working. Yeah, absolutely. And and you don't want to believe that you don't want to hear it. And I think to your point, what's fascinating too, um, trying to think the best way to word this it's exactly what you said about putting yourself and I relate to this. This is like my entire, I mean, mm-hmm. I talk about this in therapy all the time where it's sort of like putting yourself back in a position of suffering mm-hmm. so that you can achieve or be the success or do mm-hmm. the thing like that was looking back on it. My entire kind of, um, you know, past life or, or whatever before right. my existing Mm-hmm. You know, anything was that it was yeah. constant struggle, constant punishment, constant working more, achieving more, mm-hmm. going after more, disassociating, sacrificing myself in pursuit of greatness at work, right? Sort of praise from that kind of stuff. And there's yeah. never, never through that whole process of time until my own kind of health journey and, and transition where I just stopped and was like, how do I feel? Like, do I actually enjoy mm-hmm. any of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so much of it too is 
when we're so disassociated and we don't have a mind body connection, we don't know how we feel because feelings are start in the body. Like the emotion is the energy in motion in your body. And the feeling is the narrative and the story we tie to it. So when we're disassociated from our body, we're not even physically feeling what we're feeling. And when we're so scared of that narrative that we're going to tie to any feeling that we have in our body, we just breeze through it. We keep going. And that was, I think, so much of my challenge, you know, in my life before was I was trying to understand how I felt. So much of what I was talking about in therapy was like, what do I want? How do I advocate for myself? What do I actually, you know, I knew my life was run by my job and run by social obligations. And I don't mean to say social obligations, things that I was having a lot of fun in, but things that I kind of also felt like I needed to do, or just like, of course I was going to do, but I didn't know what I wanted because I didn't know how I felt. Yeah. I was so disconnected. So I think it's just such a layer of like, people will have these, these knowings that something's off, but identifying what they are and how to actually get to the root of them when life is so damn busy. It's like people don't have time or they, and they do have time, but they don't think they have time. <laughs> like yeah. we find time for a lot of things. So I think the whole, I don't have time excuse is very much an excuse, but that, you know, it's, it's intimidating. It's hard. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, you know, then so much of why I'm passionate about this work is like, it shouldn't take cancer. <laughs> like it shouldn't take your body screaming at you in the form of a disease to actually listen to it. But when everyone around you is, you know, just normalizing, oh my God, my body hates me. Oh my gosh. Like whatever, like just very like apathetic towards health. It's hard to step up and stand out and be like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Especially to your point about the physical health aspect, right? Like Mm -hmm. you said, Oh, I was taking care of my mental health. I was going to therapy, mm-hmm. but my physical health, I'm good. I don't have to worry right. about that. And it's it's one of those things where people feel like, well, as long as I'm not having a heart attack today, right. Right. I'm good. Like right. until the day I have a heart attack, I'm good or whatever the event, you mm-hmm. know, it's such a distorted view of it. And it's also, right. it's also to your point, not realizing that movement and connecting with your body is going to improve your life like on a Mm -hmm. day-to-day basis. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's not only something you reserve until a doctor tells you you have to or else whatever. Right, right. Um, Yeah, yeah. When you shifted, you said something about, okay, then after the treatment was the Mm -hmm. first time where I wasn't working or as treatment began, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You had said was the first time you weren't working. So you're sort of full-time job and you had the space and time to take care of your health. Mm -hmm. What was that like? What were your days like? And what did you recognize about like exploring some of that stuff for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I mean, I think I gave myself permission to just be, you know, and I kind of mentioned this before, it's like expectations. Like when my entire life, all of the things that I thought that I needed to do, it became very evident. You don't actually need to do those. All you need to do is not die. All you need to do every day is wake up, eat and sleep and essentially not die. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. And Mm. 
it gave me the time and space. And I think it sounds, um, you know, it, it gave me the time and space to connect with what I liked and who I was before a job before. And, and really a lot of this, it's kind of connected with my inner child. I reconnected with writing. I reconnected with reading. I reconnected with like, even like a fucking coloring book. I mean, like if there is a cancer goodie bag that people give, it always includes coloring books. So I had a lot of coloring books. Like really, I allowed myself to just be and play and write. And I realized, oh my gosh, I loved writing because it's this way that I'm expressing. And I love reading because it's this way that I'm actually getting a little bit of, you know, an escape to an extent sometimes if it's like one of those mindless books an escape that's not sitting in a bar and like drowning myself in IPAs. Um, It allowed me to actually, you know, it was, I joke around that um, when I was in treatment, so was my entire family. My parents split when I was young. So it was my mom and my older sister. And then my dad, my stepmom and my younger sister, and we all get along. It's great. But I was like, I don't know what was more traumatic cancer or living with my entire family for six months. Like, like, but yeah, it was real. It was real, but it was this weird time where I was like, we had nothing to do. We weren't on this like shortened time frame. Like, uh, I got intentional time with each member of my family where I could sit and talk to them and don't get me wrong. It did bring stuff up and it gave me a lot of clarity on like who I am and why I am the way I am. And it allowed me to just actually like be present in my life. I wasn't thinking about what I needed to be doing. I didn't have a to-do list. I didn't have anything other than the day in front of me, my body, my health. And it allowed me to be so present in a way that I was present in the fact that I was going through chemotherapy and I was great. <laughs> like, And don't get me wrong. There is a level of survival mode that you are in when you're going through something like that. Like it was a traumatic experience. So That's a lot of what I continue to unpack to this day. You know, those hard, heavy feelings were in there somewhere, but in order to get through it, I was present with, you know, my body and what, what it was comfortable expressing at that time. Um, But yeah, it was so much of reconnecting with my inner child in a lot of ways of the inner child that was surrounded by her family that would just wanted to be in her room reading and writing. Um, I started a blog. It allowed me to like really connect with my voice in a lot of ways. You know, once I, again, wasn't worried about what everyone else was thinking, you know, I had anxiety before if anyone, anyone listening, I don't know, maybe has ever had anxiety. They're probably familiar with the feeling of who is mad at me, who hates me. Everyone's mad at me. No one likes me. If anyone was mad at me, they were the asshole. I had cancer. So I was like, everybody loves me outpouring of love and support for my community, which like truly I felt and I received and I, because I was very open about my diagnosis. So it was like this unique opportunity where I was so supported and so loved. And that allowed me to recognize like, Oh, I, I love myself too. Wow. (laughs) Who knew? And really like connect with my voice and not worry about how other people thinks it sounds and like what, you know, what it should be. Like it really allowed me to kind of step away from the shoulds because the only should was you shouldn't die. Other than that, you're good. Yeah. Everything felt like bonus beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's so fascinating. And then as 
as you moved from there, right? So Mm you've now experienced a lot of this stillness, this slowness, Mm -hmm. bringing in some of these different modalities and Mm -hmm. um, noticing the benefits, right? Mm -hmm. Moving from that into maybe next chapter where you are kind of recalibrating, bringing Mm -hmm. some of that back into, you know, quote unquote, normal society, busy lives. Like, I think sometimes people feel like, oh, yeah, all that wellness stuff, that sounds great, but I don't have time to go hike on right and then meditate for two hours in the morning, right like, totally which I, I think is a way to kind of dismiss it and, it, you know, totally totally from any of yeah it, but, yeah but, you know, kind of the integration piece back yeah to life, like, what was that transition like, or how did you adjust? yeah yeah i mean it was really hard honestly um It was, and I think I mentioned this before, like, it's very easy to sit removed from the world and be like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. But then like, you know, it actually comes down to it. And I'm like, oh, right. This is why it was hard. Like, this is it. Um, And that's where I'm very grateful when I found breath work um, right in that time. Yeah. Because, and so for those that aren't familiar, like, med- I'm so me- yeah, meditation, um, is more passive where the purpose of meditation really is to like increase mindfulness. And for me and the way I think about it is it really like allows you to have that pause because at the end of the day, like we're not our thoughts. We are an experience. We are a spiritual being experiencing our thoughts. And so meditation allows you to have that pause and recognize, okay, this is, this is my thought. I can look at that thought. I can recognize that I don't need to listen to the story that it's telling me. So like in the case of anxiety, all right, my thoughts are telling me that everyone hates me. That's not true. Um, breath work, what it does is it's much more active. And especially for folks that have a hard time meditating because they're thinking of their to-do list, they're thinking of everything else going on. They feel like it's not working. They hear that people talk about this meditative state and they're like, literally, what is that? My meditative state is the same state as everything else, except now I'm more stressed because I'm not doing things. Breath work is helpful because it is very intentional. And the goal of breath work is to usually in some way, shape, and form improve your state. So the type that I do is a three-part connected breath. And so it's two inhales and one exhale. And what that does is it's quieting your conscious mind and allowing you to connect more deeply in your body. So really, you know, our conscious mind, the thinking mind, is its goal is to keep us safe. And, uh, you know, hunter-gatherer days, that was keeping us safe from genuine life or death threats of bears, animals. Now our basic needs, you know, depending on your life experience, our basic needs a lot of the times are so well cared for that we are going into fight or flight over emails. We are going into fight or flight over fear of rejection. We're going into fight or flight over putting ourselves out there, taking care of ourselves. And so it allows, the breath work allows us to quiet that thinking mind, that chattering mind, and connect more deeply with our body and really physically um, kind of initiate that mind-body connection. And again, our emotions a lot of the times are what are keeping us stuck is that emotions, energy and motion, if we don't physically feel them in our body, they're getting stuck somewhere. And so when we tap into breath work, that's what allows our thinking mind to quiet down, let the emotion come up because again, conditioned in society, don't be sad. Don't be scared. A 
these are hard emotions that are bad that you shouldn't feel them. So our brain thinks it's protecting us by not feeling them. So it allows these emotions to come up. And what I like it is it's like kind of in a really like controlled way where it's like, I know I'm going to go into this breathwork session. I mean, I actually don't know what's going to happen because the breath, you know, does what it does. But sometimes I'm like, okay, I know what's under here is fear or sadness. And I know this is where I'm going to go and feel my feelings and I'm going to release it and I'm going to clear it. And then I'm going to feel lighter on the other side. And the insight that comes up is going to be a lot of times what it is that I actually need, where you know, I went back to New York. I love New York City. I thought I was going to live in New York City forever. I was so excited to go back to New York City, even while I was still in treatment. And then I went back, I tried to integrate. And then like slowly but surely through my breathwork sessions, it like came up to like, you got to leave New York. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's that's not it. Yeah. Um, So the integration piece was very challenging because it was like fitting a round peg into a square hole as much as I could pretend that I didn't change. And I, you know, I look back on a lot of my blog posts from when I was wrapping up treatment. It's like, I'm still the same person that's going to crush vodka sodas. And then I crush vodka sodas and was like, this hangover feels like chemo. I am not this person. And I am okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, so something like breath work, because I know a lot of people haven't done it before. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, all that, you know, mindfulness stuff, all this, you know, wild stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you made an amazing point, which is there are a lot of people that look at meditation. And again, even if this, whether this is true or not, this is maybe mm-hmm. the story they are telling right. themselves is that's not for me. I can't slow down. I'm not that mm-hmm. which I would argue with for everybody, but <laughs> something like breath work, yeah. right? That sort of veil or that excuse kind of goes away. It mm-hmm. is more physical. It is more active. It does give you something to focus on. And yeah. Tangible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, I mean, I did actually like two weeks ago, um, took a breathwork class with a couple of friends. And mm-hmm. one of them was like fully, you know, her hands are cramping up. Yeah. Front, right. And like can't, like couldn't move her hands afterwards. And mm-hmm. like, like these are like real yeah. physical responses to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, to your point, Breathwork actually might be the entry point into mm-hmm. that world that they're just not really aware of. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I would love to say that, or I should say, I wish we all didn't need to be doing things so often, but it is society where we always want to be working. We always want to be doing something. We want it, We want to feel like things are productive. I'm trying to unwire that in myself in a lot of ways. Um, You know, there's toxic positivity and then there's toxic productivity, I think. And so I think a lot of us are hooked on that toxic productivity. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I think with meditation, people have a hard time with it because it just feels like you're sitting there. Whereas breath work, you're doing something and it's work. And at the end of the day, and again, not every session, you're going to have like these physical or emotional sensations. But at the end of the day, you know that like you're actually moving stuff in your body. And so I think it is, and there's so many different benefits of it. Like I have had the most like creative experiences of my life after breath work. You know, it really just like clears a lot of the stuff in our brains where there's some folks that focus on breath work for like peak performance and like really making sure that they're getting the most out of their day from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, mental, medical, whatever standpoint, from a mental standpoint. Um, And then there's folks like, and I'm more in the space of like, I just want to connect me with myself. And if I get to peak performance, 
that's great. That's awesome. But at the end of the day, it's just what helps me connect with myself and yeah. stay within my body because society, because my own conditioning is so used to just going, going, going and moving. Breath work allows me to, to an extent, which again, still, still unwiring, still allows me to go, go, go because I'm doing something, but it's also, I'm, I'm doing it for me. I'm checking in with me and it's my body and my mind that are all coming together to be like, all right, what's going on here? Wow. And there is something, you know, actionable about it, right? Like I, I was talking to somebody about this where it's like even the act of the act of journaling, for example, right? There's something actionable about that that feels tangible enough that yes. there's something about it where you feel, I don't know if productivity is the word, but there's something to show for right. it. Yeah, totally. It's kind of a similar thing to breath work, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you talk about, because for people also who don't know, and I'm by no means an expert on breath work, I, I know barely anything, right? Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of different types of breath work yes. and different approaches and kind of, not necessarily philosophies, but benefits and approaches for different yes. So do you focus on a specific type or style or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great like? question. So yeah, at the end of the day, the breath is the breath, you know, colonialism got its hands on it along the way. And now there's so many different names and types of breath, like even Wim Hof breath that is like based on like Tibetan Buddhism of a type of breath there. So there are so many different like types and names, but the breath is the breath and it is sacred. Um, one modality that I am certified in is hypno breath work. And that one is very powerful to the point of actionable because really the goal of hypno breath work is to tap into the breath as well as go into that hypnotic state in order to identify limiting beliefs and identify these anchors in your subconscious that are holding you back, rewrite them and then identify action steps. You know, I really do think that the universe rewards aligned action. And so a lot of the intuitive action steps that I got around moving out of New York, moving to San Diego, some days my action step is like, drink water, you're really dehydrated. Like it's very little and big things. Um, But hypno breath work is the type that is much more, um, at least that I do, that is much more focused on going deep and finding the actions. Wow. I also, yeah, and it's great, super powerful. There are also times in my life where that doesn't resonate with even me because I'm in a place where I don't need action. I just need to be. I just need to be in my body. I just need to find safety in this moment. Like hypno breath work. I mean, I am a very trauma aware and trauma informed facilitator, but hypno breath work and breath work in general, it brings stuff up. You know, when our mind quiets down, it will bring stuff up. Where sometimes I'm like, okay, it might bring stuff up, but I'm not going to ask it to bring stuff up. Hypno breath work is really targeted on like, all right, why is it that you're feeling this way? Let's Mm -hmm. clear that out. Let's remove that block. And sometimes that's not accessible for me and not accessible for everyone. So generally my umbrella is breath work. And depending on the client, depending on the environment, that's really what depends on what style I go into of kind of how deep we're going to get and really what we're looking for. Um, it's all through, like I said, the three part connected breath, which is that like most powerful one, in my opinion, that helps drop you into your body. But there's also different levels of, you know, the faster and the deeper that you do it, the more intense your experience is going to be, or the slower that you do it, then it's going to be a little bit more, you know, kind of ease into it. So again, it is very accessible in the sense that 
depending on where my client is, that gives them the permission to take the breath how they'd want to, as well as we align on an intention together, knowing that at the end of the day, the breath is going to do what the breath is going to do. I'm just here to hold the space. I love it. And I think beyond even the act of breath work, I I also think, and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's kind of a through line through all of this is what, Mm -hmm. what a lot of this type of stuff does, like any of these sort of wellness quote unquote I kind of hate the word wellness but like any like wellness you know anything in this space we're talking about right what it really is doing far beyond the session itself is softening you up opening you up to more vulnerability Mm -hmm. and when people are put in positions whether super traumatic and intense and out of their control or Mm -hmm in their control. Hey, I'm going into this session. I'm going to go do this thing, whatever that modality is. Mm-hmm. It's actually just allowing people to get a little more comfortable with themselves every time. Yes. Yes. And absolutely. through that, the hope is there's a ripple effect where people being more in touch with what's actually going on in their mind, in their body, just like in mm-hmm. their lives, they can then connect more deeply with other humans and other kind of like softens up life a little Mm, bit. At least that's what I've found. And I think that's kind of on a larger scale, the real goal is like the soft of life through all of that. Oh my gosh. Like I have the chills because that is so much of what my coach and I talk about all the time is like softening. Like that is so much of my work is just softening and softening myself, softening others because society and the world can harden us and our life experiences can harden us. And a lot of times, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And the way that I think that we deal with our pain a lot of times and we deal with the stuff that happened to us, like you said, whether large traumatic cancer or things in our childhood, you know, Trauma is not the event. It's how your body reacts to the event. So I think they're not to say that like everyone's traumatized, but like everyone has stuff that they are hardened to in their lives. And a lot of times, and usually, you know, the people I work with are folks that recognize, okay, I'm running up against something that I'm stuck in. And that's usually something that we harden to. And so it's being able to soften, open up to that, see it differently and integrate it in order to move forward differently. But yeah, oh, I have big visions of, you know, the entire world getting to a place where we can soften and we can actually sit with ourselves and prioritize our own well-being and build systems that allowed for that. Because I think so much of it is so many of our systems are so hardened coming out of corporate America and a large corporation where at the end of the day, I was a number. And at the end of the day, As much as, you know, I think it makes a difference. And what I used to always say to folks on my team is like, there's a lot of systems that are either broken or they were built this way and they're not for everyone. And what makes a difference is who is helping you navigate those systems. So on an individual level, I always try to be a softener within these systems if I'm operating within them and helping people soften within them. But we need to soften the systems. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to be productive. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to work. And sometimes that means we might need to blow some of them up. But it does, like, I do resonate with that so deeply that I think, and that's where, like, the East Coast, I get the association. It's, like, such a hard place. And it's, like, life is hard enough that we don't need to make it harder by our existence within it. 
So the more that we can soften, it's not going to change life being hard, but it allows us to not just be hardened within it. Absolutely. I love that. And, and that softening, you know, I think you and I are both people who are not just, neither of us just like woke up one day and it's like, oh, we're some enlightened wellness being. It's like ongoing work and challenging. And you sort of, you sort of sign yourself up, right? Like through that softening, you sign yourself up to become more aware of a lot of, which is actually a lot harder in a lot of it's much more difficult in a lot of ways, but you're actually feeling things and you're actually experiencing life. And I think that's the payoff, which is worth it. Um, Yeah. I mean, choose your hard. It's hard to, you know, you think of a, of a heart monitor, if it's somewhere in the middle and just kind of like going on this very, you know, very small ups and downs, that's flatlining and that's not living, but life in general is highs and lows. And so you can choose the heart of this existence that you don't really feel much and on paper, things look great and you're validated by people around you for your successes, but internally you're not getting those highs and lows. And that was so much of, you know, within those four hours, I was like, I want to go back to life and I want to feel it. I want to live it. And And living life is hard, but it's also, in my opinion, worth it. (laughs) Amazing. It is so much Yeah. Oh my gosh. One other kind of hidden benefit through this Mm -hmm. whole journey um, that I'd love your thoughts on is I found that when you can kind of discover these different parts of yourself and understand Mm -hmm. yourself and be more vulnerable and open about who you are and authentic and all this kind of stuff, there isn't only just this lightness to your day because you Mm -hmm. don't have to put up walls. You're not hiding anything about yourself, all of this. Mm -hmm. But you're also able to attract other people who are kind of like there's this unspoke. It's almost like feeling yeah. fight club or something. Mm-hmm. Where there's this unspoken. Yeah. Like, oh, you get it. And you can mm-hmm. connect with people very quickly because there's this unspoken um, acknowledgement of the, the process that people yes. through versus okay, we have to make small talk about the weather, then small talk about work, then we have to talk about yes. this and talk about our houses. And maybe eventually someday I'll actually right. get to know this person. Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm like, for those people like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. For I'm just like, oh, we're yeah. yeah on the same page. And that is a much more immediate and fulfilling way to connect with other humans than going through layers of small talk for years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's the connection. It's like, what is your connection based off of? And when your connection with yourself is rooted and grounded in who you are and self-acceptance and vulnerability, then you can meet people at that level where for so long. And I mean, I think, I, I think back to when I was in New York and I had connections with people, some of my best friends that just had a, like a ceiling to it, to a certain extent. And because I wasn't meeting myself to a certain place, so you can only go so far. And I think there are so many, so many benefits to that of just being able to actually connect with someone as your whole self and seeing people as their whole selves. Like it really, yeah, it's so much more powerful. And that's what I'm so grateful about San Diego and being able to like hold space for community out here for people to not like just sit at a bar and like, you know, talk and complain and vent. It's like, we're actually connecting and we're recognizing that as humans, we all feel the same things. 
our life experiences are very different. And like, there's just this world treats different people differently. So we can't pretend that that's not the case, but we all have the same core emotions. And when you can feel them yourself, you can see them in other people, you can see other people for them. But if you can't feel them in yourself, then you're just going to be connecting with people on surface level things. And it's so much more powerful and really fulfilling and healing, I think, to really have relationships that are based on who you are and also where you're going to. So beautiful. So true. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And and even looking at San Diego for you, right? The ability with people is going to be much smoother now that you're actually showing up as you are today. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a lot of it is just showing up and it starts with showing up for ourselves. And I think that that's where, you know, I don't, I don't love the wellness industry. I don't love the coaching industry, like all these things that just like give me the ick, but like at the end of the day, like all of this work. And I think it's just life, like living life in a way that's actually authentic and is actually, one that is like really fully and wholly experienced is about just showing up for yourself and being honest yeah, with yourself and recognizing like what you want out of it and being and recognizing too, to your point that like, it's hard, like you might be signing up for hard things, but it's going to eventually be harder not to. Yeah. And I agree. Like the wellness coaching, all this stuff, there's so many people in those spaces that it's just total crap. Right. And so it's honestly just annoying and confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, just trying to stick with the the yeah the real humans with it and, and be and the real connections exactly. out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, totally. Okay. This is amazing. I feel like I could talk to you forever, right. but I have one final question for you. Yeah. So I ask everybody, every guest, mm-hmm. same final question. Mm-hmm. We have covered so many. Uh things, topics, areas. My question for you is how would you define true health? The first thing that came up is just honesty. Honest with yourself. I mean, like, sure, we could say like true health is being like physically, mentally, and emotionally like healthy, but like, I don't think the goal is this perfect state of health. I think the goal is like honesty with yourself and acceptance that where you are that like what I had cancer, I was not the beacon of health. I was actually very sick, but I also was very honest with myself and I felt emotionally healthier than I ever had. So I think like true health just comes down to honesty and acceptance that wherever you are on your health journey, that's okay. It's a sliding scale. There's no black and white, perfect solution to really anything. So just like allowing yourself grace and compassion and, um, empowering yourself to, you know, move further in your journey in a place of honesty. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for doing this for anybody. This so fun for anybody listening. 
where should they check you out? We're going to put links in the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as people who want to learn more about your work, working with you, corporate work, the coaching work, where Yes. Yeah. I mean, Instagram is probably the easiest. Um, Shan Curry, S-H-I-N-C-U-R-Y, only one R, a little different. Um, Shan Curry on Instagram. My website's shannoncurry.com. And yeah, I'm out here. Always love to connect. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This is so appreciated. And I thank you. This whole conversation is proof of exactly what we were talking about, which is two strangers showing Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. their authentic selves. And how beautiful is that? So I hope it's a good example for people. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ethan. This is amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. All right. Have a good day.